Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. All of you that are here tonight, you're in for a special treat because we're going to have a baptism. Amen. Amen. Brother James is going to get baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus. And, uh, you know, in biblical times, uh, when John was baptizing in Jordan, uh, John never got thrown in prison for baptizing people. John never got thrown in prison for baptizing people. Uh, neither was there anyone that got thrown into prison just because they was out in the street preaching. But what people did get thrown into prison for was because they preached, taught, baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so we're going to baptize the biblical way. We're not going to go uh, any, uh, you know, way of uh, the world of which they tried to change back in the Council of Nicaea, trying to get everybody to agree there's three gods and trying to get everybody to agree we need to change baptism. I don't understand why people that can uh, read the Bible and study the Word of God can't see that whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. And if you do that, you're going to follow the name of Jesus. I'm glad to know the name. I'm glad that we are people of the name. And, uh, you know, a lot of people look down on that. They kind of look at and say, well, if you're people of the name, you must be fanatic. Yeah, I am. I'm fanatic about Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sold out to Jesus. I'm sold out to Jesus. There's no, no use in trying to get me to uh, follow any other thing uh, because Jesus has been my help uh, since 1981 and even before that he was my help and I just didn't acknowledge it but I'm glad that uh, you're here tonight to worship the Lord witness a baptism the proper way and uh, we're going to have some study in the word here after a while but I want to open up with this and uh, of course we have a few announcements that we need to make mention of uh, sister the services for sister Tito uh, will be and this will be tomorrow night at 6 o'clock visitation. 7 o'clock is going to be service. Uh, we do need all of our musicians, singers, all that can be there tomorrow night to help. Uh, we understand that some will be working on uh, Friday and won't be able to be there. But if you can make a good showing tomorrow night and help out, uh, that will bring comfort to the family. And uh, we want to try to be a blessing to Sister Barb and, and Sister Susan and all the family. And, uh, you know, we, we understand that this loss is, is something that uh, we feel a loss of, but we're not saddened in the fact uh, that we don't know where she's headed. Because I believe that uh, we know. We know what we know what we know. And people say, well, we don't really know. But I believe we know. When you follow the Word of God and you get uh, in a place where you repent and get baptized in Jesus' name, get filled with the Holy Ghost and follow the Word of God, you are promised a crown of life. You're promised that you're going to make it to heaven. <laughs> then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all to that are that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So I believe she followed the plan of salvation. Uh, so tomorrow night, six o'clock is visitation, and then we will be having service at seven. Also, the funeral will be uh, Friday at 12 p.m. 
So all that do not work uh, and you're a member of this church, come be a blessing to your sisters uh, in the Lord and, uh, and family because uh, you're going to need somebody to comfort you when you lose a loved one. So let's, uh, let's be a blessing to this family. That will be at Bailey Funeral Home in Elkhorn City, Kentucky. So you can't miss it. If you go through Elkhorn City downtown, you have to see it. You can't miss it. So uh, that's where they will have her at. And uh, we want to be a blessing to this family. Don't forget, coming up, our homecoming services. And that's going to be October the 21st and 22nd. Brother George Scott, trunk or treat this year. It will be on the night that they celebrate Halloween, but we're not celebrating Halloween. We're going to tell people about Jesus. Every time you drop a piece of candy in, you say, in Jesus' name. Every time you talk to somebody, just invite them to come to church. That's what this is about. It's not about saying, oh, look how cute they're dressed and all this. We're trying to win people to Jesus. We're trying to win people to Jesus. So. We'll be gathered here, and we'll have our trunks all decorated in biblical themes, I might add. Uh, and uh, we're going to try to witness to our community. Also, Harvest Time Crusade is coming up November the 17th, 18th, and 19th. Mark those on your calendar. You do not want to miss these events. Also, uh, we want you to be reminded that uh, the Christmas program will be Sunday, December the 10th at 6 p.m., and then our New Year's Eve celebration, closing out the year, is going to be Sunday. And that's a Sunday night, December the 31st, 9 p.m. till after midnight. Come on out and let's just thank the Lord. He saw us through another year. And we're able to enter into a new year with praise and worship. Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. We have uh, several prayer requests that we uh, have on our list and of course we want to remember uh, brother Ray Sawyers let's remember uh, Pete Sensel, Stephanie Sensel, Selena Bryant, Stacy Dotson, Leo Lander uh, let's remember as we said Sister Tito's family let's remember Mark Smith, Angie Smith, Cohen Hunt, Braden Anderson and uh, Sister Tennille uh, had some uh, test results come back and they were not favorable wasn't what we expected and what we wanted to hear and what she wanted to hear. But we know that God is bigger than the report. And I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. We're going as a church pray with her. We're going to go to the Lord with her. And we're going to ask the Lord to perform a miracle in her life. And not to let the, the news uh, bring depression or, or oppression or to push her down. Uh, her brother's going to get baptized tonight. So that's a lot to rejoice about. But uh, we're going to pray for her and we want you to be praying for her in the, uh, in the days, weeks, months ahead uh, because we know that God is able. I know people that have been diagnosed with certain diseases that the doctor says, well, you know, uh, three to five years and they lived way beyond that. They, they're still alive today. Amen. They're still alive today. So don't ever let what the doctors say uh, cause you to think, well, it's just over. Because it's not over until he says it's over. Amen? Amen. So we're going to pray with her. 
And we're going to uh, pray for her every service, and we're just going to ask the Lord to move in a mighty way uh, to bring healing. If you have a prayer request you'd like to make known just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. He knows what that represents. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're up against. And uh, he is the God of supply. He said, I will supply all your needs. Somebody say, my needs. All your needs according to his riches and glory. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here together in your precious name. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for Sister Tennille, Lord, that you would bring healing to her body. Let the next test that is done, let the doctors be astounded. Let them be, uh, you know, confused about what happened. But, Lord, we're going to give you the praise for healing. We're going to give you the praise for deliverance. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that raised her hand in this sanctuary. I pray, Lord, that you would bring healing to their families, to themselves. And Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that has a need this hour. The the, the Ratliff family, Lord, that you will just begin to wrap your arms around them and comfort them during this time of loss. I pray, Lord, that you would bless everything that's said and done in the services that it will bring honor unto you and comfort to the family. Bless the lesson tonight, Lord, as we study your word, that we will receive your word. We will expound it fully. We will rightly divide it. And Lord, we'll all leave here edified in your presence, knowing that the life we're living down here is so that when we leave this world, we got a better home waiting. Lord, I pray that you would just move in a mighty way for every singer, every musician, as we give you the praise in Jesus. Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap.
Glad you've been redeemed. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask our ushers to come. We're going to take up tonight's offering. Give us the Lord blesses you to give tonight. Jesus, we come before your presence and thank you. We thank you, Lord, for those that's going to give tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the offering. Bless the offering, Lord, that it might meet the needs of the ministry. We'll always give you praise and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If we never meet again on this earth, my 
you have your Bibles tonight, turn into the book of Acts chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 42, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, um, all of our youth that needs to be dismissed into the Casey wing can do it this time. Studying starting points for revival and uh, kind of a, uh, a funny title today of our lesson, The Four-Legged Stool, Four-Legged Stool. So we'll see what that has to do with anything today. Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed, everybody say, we're together. Oh, man, if we could ever get that happening today, revival would happen. If all that believed would just simply come together and say, let's go to Wednesday night, let's go to Sunday morning, let's go to Sunday night, let's go whenever they have church. If they got middle of the week, end of the week, Saturday night, Friday night, whenever it is, if we could all just come together. What a day that would be. So we find that all that believed were together and had all things, everybody say common. They sold their possessions and goods imparted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their bread with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. My preaching cannot save anybody. I'm just simply planting. Maybe I'm watering. Somebody else may have already planted. And I'm just watering. But God gives the increase. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I want to speak to us today just the four-legged stool. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the study tonight. I pray that we will expound the word fully, that we will all leave here with more knowledge, more understanding, more inspiration, more desire to come together, more desire to worship, more desire to read your word, more desire to draw closer to you. And, Lord, we ask it all in your mighty name, the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. And you may be seated. Somebody says, how do you have revival? There's really no one thing that brings revival. Usually it is because you and the church you attend uh, decide you're going to fast, you're going to pray, you're going to 
hunger and thirst after righteousness. You want more of God. You want more of His Word. You want, you want a move of God when you come to church. You don't want to just sit on pews. You want a move of God. And, and so really, if you used to say, well, if we was to just sing this song, we could have revival, then we'd sing that song and have revival, wouldn't we? If we'd say, well, if we could just get this one evangelist to come in, man, we could have revival. Then we would say, well, let's just invite him to come on. Let's have revival. But revival is something that happens when we as God's people desire more of him and less of us. More of him and less of us. There is no really one thing that we can say is a key to revival. However, there are a number of things when combined together. You say, how do you bake a chocolate cake? Well, there's no certain one ingredient that makes a chocolate cake. You got to have eggs. You got to have sugar. You got to have, you know, butter. If you really want something to turn out right, you got to have all the ingredients. So we want to talk about the ingredients for revival. It's not just one thing, but it's actually many things. And so these things combined and contribute to revival. Now, we could discuss attitudes and treatment toward others. We could talk about, uh, you know, the church as a hospital, a family, a home. Uh, But in this lesson... I think we want to kind of focus on something a little bit different. We want to talk about four things that provide a balance, if you will, and together produce and maintain revival. Now, uh, to just have revival is good, but to maintain revival is better. Which means if we just had a big spurt and a bunch of people came in, gave their life to the Lord, and we baptized them, and then revival died, well, that was good, but it'd be better if we could maintain revival. People keep coming. People keep giving their life to the Lord. People get, keep getting baptized in Jesus' name. What a, uh, a time that would be if we could not only have revival, but maintain revival. So prayer is one of the things through which humanity is able to access the presence of God. If you want to hear from God, pray. If you want to talk to God, pray. You might say, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. What would I say to God? Same way you would talk to anybody else in this room. You just begin to talk to God and say, God, it's me. It's me. I have a need. It's me again, Lord. Got a prayer that needs an answer. You see, we begin to talk to the Lord. We begin to just speak to Him because He is there. It's not as if He is there. He is there. How many knows that prayer is not wasted? Prayer is your conversation to the Lord. Prayer is just like your conversation with anybody else. You can Meet somebody, come to church, get inside the church house doors, and you might say, you know what? Boy, it's been a kind of a dreary day today, ain't it? Rainy and dreary. You're having a conversation. Well, maybe you just want to talk to the Lord, and you say, Lord, I've been having a bad day. I've been having a dreary day. It just seems like the rain just keeps coming. 
When it rains, it pours. It just seems like it's a gloomy time and a gloomy day. Talk to the Lord about it. We, we've heard so many songs. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. You see, sometimes we just got to talk to Jesus. That is called prayer. So prayer is the way that we as humans have access to the presence of God. And together produce something that happens in a relationship that his presence is our ultimate pleasure. Being in the presence of the Lord should be your ultimate goal tonight. Oh, I've come tonight to teach, but I've come to be in his presence. More than anything, I want to be in his presence. I want to know that when I come into this place and begin to talk to him, and sometimes it's through prayer, sometimes it's through praise. I just praise you, Lord, for what you've done for me. I praise you that you woke me up this morning. I praise you that you let me come to church tonight. I praise you for another day. I, I praise you. All of these are ways that we talk to the Lord. But sometimes our carnal side doesn't want to pray. Anybody, and you don't have to show your hands, just answer in your mind and in your thoughts. Anybody ever felt like you just didn't want to pray? Do you ever just feel like that just life was just so pressing and, and just stuff just happened today that I just don't feel like praying? I just don't feel like praying. Have you ever been so sick that you didn't feel like praying? Have you ever been in a condition that you just felt like you didn't have a prayer, or if you had a prayer, it didn't stand a chance on getting past the ceiling? Well, our prayer sometimes when we think about our carnal, our carnal side, our human side, sometimes interferes with our spiritual side because our human side gets tired, Right? Our human side hurts. Our human side sometimes gets offended. Our human side has a lot of different things that happen that can interfere with our prayer or talking to the Lord. So our carnal side may not want to pray. However, when we begin to realize the benefits of the Lord's presence, you know what? People get the Holy Ghost when the Lord shows up. People get healed when the Lord shows up. People walk right out of their valley when the Lord shows up. People begin to have joy when the Lord shows up. I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes our, our flesh, our carnal gets in our way and, and we forget. i got to have a joyful experience. I've got to have an experience with the Lord where I, I look for his presence. And, and I don't want to I don't want to be in a place where my carnal side uh, gets the best of me because I've got to learn how to yield to the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. We talk in the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. We, we do not walk by sight or else we would be so discouraged. But I'm glad that we come tonight and that we are able to lay aside the carnality and say, I want the presence of the Lord to move in my life today. We... Wouldn't it be something if we, if we become addicted to prayer? 
Think about that. What if we just become addicted to prayer? Somebody says, I ain't prayed in five minutes. I got to pray. That'd be, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Somebody says, well, you know, I ain't, I ain't prayed. I ain't prayed. I ain't prayed in three days. You start having withdrawal. Withdrawal from prayer is a bad thing. Withdrawal from prayer. So, so you want to be addicted, if you can term it that way, to prayer. Prayer can become a joyful experience. It's not something you wait to the last thing you do at night and you say, well, I've spent all my energies here, there, doing this and, uh, you know, all of this and, and now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep and if I die before, the wake, before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. <sighs> Maybe we ought to have a little talk with Jesus. Maybe we ought to tell him all about our troubles. Maybe we ought to thank him for seeing us through the day. Maybe helping us get through our situations and helping us to be more than conquerors and overcoming. I, I believe that we can find a pleasure in prayer. So I want to be addicted to prayer. Joyful experience. In Psalm 16 and verse number 11, it begins to read like this. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. That's why I don't want to come to church without his presence. I'm not just going to wait till I get here and say, I sure hope the Lord shows up. I hope you brought him with you. I hope he's in your life. I hope that you have the joy of the Lord and find that it is your strength. How many knows the joy of the Lord is your strength? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So the psalm says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. I want to have fullness of joy. Joyful. Joyful. Full of joy. I want to have joy. You see, there's just so many things in our life that tries to destroy our fullness of joy. Fullness of joy means that your joy is running over, bubbling over. You're full. You notice that sometimes when you read the word, it said they were full of the Holy Ghost. They didn't say they was half full. They didn't say they was a quarter full. They didn't say they was, you know, pretty full. They said they was full. Because being full means that you have received the joy of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, which brings fullness of joy. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I don't know why anybody can't be happy serving Jesus. Why? Because there's joy, fullness of joy, and there's pleasures forevermore. That means that's just, that's just something that just literally just uh, astounds me that I can wake up in the morning and I can have joy. I can wake up in the morning and I can find pleasures forevermore. Somebody says, well, y'all church folk, y'all don't never have no fun. Well, I, I got news for you. We have more fun than anybody. You know why? 
because we're, we're on our way to heaven. And the joy of the Lord is in our life and we're full of joy. And his pleasures are forevermore. So what else you need besides the joy of the Lord and the presence of the Lord and the pleasures forevermore? Say, well, I need this, this, and this, and this. No, just give me Jesus. Or you might say, well, I just, I really would like to have some more stuff, Lord, and uh, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. You see, sometimes when we look at uh, prayer and we look at the presence of the Lord, we kind of uh, get a perspective. Prayer gives perspective. When we need or have a need, the first thing we should do is call the pastor. No. First thing you should do is pray. That's the first thing. But usually the first thing we'll call the pastor, call the deacon, call a brother or sister in the church. We'll call a friend, phone a friend. Right? Why not, why not pray? Because I've heard older preachers say this, and there's so much truth to it. God can fix more in one prayer than I could fix in a lifetime. So if we learn to pray, maybe we wouldn't be going through all the things we go through and struggle with those things. Maybe we would be able to lay them down. Maybe we would overcome. Maybe we would be able to get through some things just simply by praying. I know it's a cliche, and I know a lot of people look at this, and when you say, well, let's pray about it, you know, somebody comes to you and says, well, pastor, I got this going on, this going on, I say, well, let's pray about it. First thing you want to do, well, that's a cop-out, you know. I was wanting an answer. I was wanting you to do snap your fingers, spit in the wind, and everything be better. <laughs> but you know what? If you learn to pray, everything will be better. If you learn to pray... So our carnal side may not want to pray, but prayer can be a time of a joyful experience in the Lord. Prayer gives perspective. When we have a need, the first thing we should do is simply pray. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. Prayer turns mountains into molehills. You know what we do? We turn molehills into mountains. Right? It's those little things. Those little foxes spoil the vine. It's those little things that we, we make it look so big. You know, uh, when, when the psalmist began to say, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, he wasn't saying... Let's try to make him bigger. It's what we see him as. You know, you can take... How many ever looked at a magnifying glass and looked at an ant? Now, some of y'all burned them. Shame on you. You looked at the ant, and the ant looked bigger. But when you took the magnifying glass away, the ant was still the same size. It only looked bigger to the person looking. Oh, if we look to Jesus, if we look to him, I'm going to tell you, if you will magnify him, he will look bigger to you 
and me. It won't make him any bigger, but he will look bigger to us. And we'll be able to overcome everything that we go through and everything we're up against. So instead of turning molehills into mountains, let's let him turn our mountains into molehills. Next time you think it's just the most awfulest thing that's ever happened to you, just say it's a molehill. You might say, you don't know what, what I've been told. You don't know what's been said to me. You don't know what, what a report I've got. Well, let me just kind of let you know how big God is. God is bigger than any of our problems. God is bigger than any of our sicknesses. God is bigger than any of our opposition. God is bigger. And if we can let Him just be big enough in our life, we'll say, this ain't nothing but a molehill. He said, if you, I think this is amazing because sometimes we don't really believe what we read. He says, if you speak to that mountain, mountain, not a molehill. Notice he didn't say, speak to that molehill. <laughs> speak to that anthill. No, speak to the mountain, something big, and say, be thou removed. And guess what? It'll be cast out of your way. Now, I'm, I'm here to tell you, the Lord is doing that for people all across the U.S. and around the world who are willing to pray and believe Him and let Him make their mountain into a molehill because the Lord said, I'm going to bring down every mountain and I'm going to exalt every valley. You know what that makes? Level land. So you can walk on level ground. You don't have to climb no mountains. You don't have to go no valleys. If we can trust the Lord, He can turn our mountain into molehills. I like that. Prayer allows you to see beyond the veil of this three-dimensional world. Elisha's servant panicked. I mean, he literally was shaken in his sandals. And what had happened was Elijah's servants saw the city surrounded by the enemy. And he's standing by the man of God. And Elisha, of course, is believing God. Elisha don't see a mountain of enemies. He, see mo he sees molehills. Because here's what he looks. He says, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. Let him see what I see. Let him see what I see. Let him know what I know. Let him get a vision of what I've got. So the Lord did. You know what? He lifted up his eyes and started looking around, and everywhere he looked, there was chariots of fire, God's army all around. Amen. And, and Elijah said, you know what? There's more with us than they are with them because all they got is an arm of flesh, but we got the Lord. I'm not going to rely on the arm of flesh when I need the Lord. Now, there's some things we all can do for ourselves, right? Somebody's got to get up and put their shoes on. You can't just lay there and say, Lord, put my shoes on. So I can run this race. <laughs> you got to put them on. 
There's some things we have to do. There's some things that we can do. But those things that we can't do, those things that are really mountains, but God makes them into molehills because He's bigger than our problem. He's bigger than anything that we face. He is bigger. He's, he's greater. He, he is able to let Elisha just tell a servant, don't be scared. Don't panic. Don't, don't have one of these attacks that's just going to let you be paralyzed with fear. Look up and see. There's more with us. Oh, I wish I had somebody that believed there's more with us. There's more with us. I don't care what you're going through. Your mountain is a molehill. In the presence of God, there is nothing bigger than our God. In the presence of God, there is nothing greater than our God. In the presence of God, that's why we need His presence. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I love the Lord. Prayer allows you to see beyond what the normal eye sees. There's been times in my life that if I'd looked at the natural, it would have been impossible. Brother Larry, when, when, when Brother Jerry and all the people of the church, when, when this used to be nothing but a vacant lot, it looked almost impossible to visualize a church here. But we wasn't looking in the natural. And we, didn't we have unity then? We had so much unity that we said, let's go borrow 175000 okay? <laughs> let's sign on the dotted line. We're at. We just believe God. I believe a lot of things happen, including this church being right here established in the beautiful sanctuary you're in, happen because we bound together in faith. We just simply believe God. Somebody said, how are you going to do that with such a small congregation? And, man, they would, they would try to discourage you. I'd see people and they'd say, hey, how y'all going to build that building in a, in a time of depression? It wasn't really depression they used. It was an economic downturn. Because we were building in a time of economic downturn. People were losing jobs and people were not working and uh, a lot of people that worked every day here didn't have a job. But you know what? People try to discourage you and they say, how y'all going to finish that building? How y'all going to finish that? Y'all don't have enough to finish that building. And I thought, don't have enough? Who do you think we're serving? You think we're serving Muhammad? <laughs> you think we're serving uh, Jim Jones or David Koresh or any of these other nut jobs that killed herself and other people? No, I'm going to tell you, we're serving the living God. That's why we can believe and trust and things just happen. I, I look back and, and I think, man, uh, you know, uh, I, just, I just, I don't know how it happened, but I know how it happened. Right? We, we, would, we, we started out with a, with a 40 by 80. 40 by 80. And then after we saw the 40 by 80 in this big bottom, it looked like a small house. It looked like my tiny house in Tennessee. And I said, well, we're going to have to have more on that building. 
Because it, it looked like just a big square box in the middle of this bottom. So we decided to add some more on. And uh, how are you going to pay for it? I don't know. We done borrowed all the money we could borrow. They weren't going to let us have no more. I'm telling you this because I want you to trust the Lord. Because there's just things you just have to say, God's going to do it. You think the Hebrew boys, when they got ready to be thrown in the fiery furnace, stood there and thought about it for a while and said, I don't know, reckon we ought to tell them that God's going to help us? And if he don't, well, we just die. No. He said, that's okay, O king. Our God's able. And he will deliver us out of your hand. I don't believe that they sat around and wondered. Now, the fire's seven times hotter than it's supposed to be. They're bound. They're going to be thrown in. It actually killed the people that opened the doors. So how are you going to get out of this predicament? Just like a scene out of Batman and Robin. How are you going to get out of this? Will the, the three Hebrew boys burn in the fire? Will they be nothing but ashes tomorrow? No, they just simply said, our God will deliver us. And they believed it. And when they were thrown in, the smell of smoke wasn't on them. They weren't scorched. They weren't burned. They come out. The only thing missing when they come out was... Because you can't praise God when this is happening. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost in this. You may go into a fire. You may go into a situation. But you can't praise God as long as you let the things of this world, the things that make you sad, the things that deal with your heart and your mind and try to get you to doubt God. If you can just say, wait a minute, let me get my hands free and I will worship him. Woo. Uh, I didn't know how we was going to do it. We, we uh, got ready to uh, add on to this church, and I put my own vehicle up to borrow more money. Banker said, what you got? I said, well, I got a little S10 blazer. You want to put that up? Yep. You know the first thing they tell you not to do when you're a preacher? Put any of your personal stuff up. Why? Because people will walk off and leave you. Right? But you know what? I didn't think about that. I just believed God was going to do it. I'm not saying I'm a man that has all faith, but I'm saying that when God gives me a vision and helps me to understand what he wants to do, I don't care what the cost and what I have to do. It's going to come through. Guess what? I never lost my little S10 blazer. We paid the building off in seven and a half years, I think it was, eight years. Supposed to be in like a 15, 20 year loan. 
How, how did we do that? We didn't have no thousands of people here. But we had the Lord. And when you believe the Lord can do anything, God can do anything. God can do anything. God can do anything. But fail, he can heal. God can do anything but fail. I believe God's going to do some great things in our lives that we're going to say, I don't know how it's going to happen. Red Sea, I don't know how we're going to get across the Red Sea. I don't know how we're going to escape Pharaoh's army. Here's this Red Sea. It's deep. It's wide. We can't swim and we can't hide. We're just going to have to just, just let Pharaoh take us back, kill us out. No, Moses says, stand still. Just, just kind of calm down. If we could ever get everybody just to calm down. Oh, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. Sound like a bunch of yodelers. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> if we just calm down and say, wait a minute, let's just see the salvation of the Lord. Let's just watch what God's going to do. Let's just pull us up a good seat on the sideline and see what's going to happen. Moses stood there, stretched the rod out over the sea. East wind began to blow. Next thing you know, it began to blow and it began to blow. And then the waters began to churn. And the next thing you know, the waters start congealing. That's like jello. They probably walked through the Red Sea and looked over and saw some fish going. Bro, Jim, if he had been there, he had been like, Prayer turns mountains into molehills. Elisha's servant was panicking. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. He said, oh, my Lord, what shall we do? Remember, I was telling you, I worked with a guy, and he always said, what are we going to do now? That's basically this guy right here. What are you going to do now? What are we going to do now? Well, don't be afraid. Prophet answers, just calm down. Those that are with us are more than those who are with them. They saw the mighty army of chariots, flaming chariots. You see, God doesn't use just old rinky-dink, barely got wheels on it chariots. He's got flaming chariots. Why? Because it's got fire with it. Our God is a consuming fire. When they received the Holy Ghost, there was tongues of fire that sat upon each of them. So that's why when we find ourselves in the midst of, of, of situations, we got to pray. And you know what they would do with incense? They would take hot coals off the altar, the brazen altar. They would take it in, put it on the brazen altar, the brazen altar, or the golden altar, I'm sorry, the golden altar, and then they would pour incense on it. And that incense was the prayers of the saints. You read it in Revelation. So 
Sometimes you need fire with your prayer. Sometimes you need a little fire, so you just need to say, Lord, right now, I just need a little fire with my prayer. I want to have some hot coals that come from off the altar, the altar that I've been praying at, the altar I've been talking to you at. I want to take some hot coals off of that, and I'm going to let my prayers be sprinkled on it, and it's going to go up as incense before you. So hear my prayer. Hear my prayer. Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes. And he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Elisha had already been to the Lord in prayer and had a little insight. Sometimes Jesus would look at them and he'd say, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. It's easy to say it's possible, but we just need to say, I believe it. It's that simple. That faith is nothing that, that you have to, you know, be in church for 50 years to have. Faith can happen immediate. Faith can be something that you can get tonight, that you've been struggling with something, you've been wrestling with something, and, and, and you, you need victory over it, and... and Faith can be something you can get right now. You don't have to be running the aisles to get faith. You don't have to have a guest evangelist to get faith. You don't have to have a Sunday service to get faith. You can get faith right now. Right now. Prayer brings healing. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands, keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases that I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals thee. He's the Lord that healeth us. I won't bring these diseases on you. How many knows that when they went through the wilderness, their shoes didn't get old? Their, their feet didn't swell. I got a knee right now that's about three times bigger than it should be. But you know what? I'm just going to start believing God. I'm walking through this wilderness land. My, my knee ain't going to swell. I'm just going to start believing. I'm just going to start believing. You know why? Because we have the same ability because it's the same God. We sing that song, same God. We have the same God. Let's believe God. Let's trust God. Let's know that prayer can bring healing. There's numerous New Testament passages on healing. All of us know that healing is real and can happen. Why some people get healed and some people do not, I do not know. That's not up to me. I'm not the one that heals you. If it's up to me, everybody be healed. I'd be like Oprah. I'd be passing out healings. You get a healing and you get a healing. Y'all act like y'all know what I'm talking about. See, sometimes we got to understand that there's a lot of things that, that we look at and, and prayer brings us into the presence of the Lord and then we start seeing that we can receive healing. The man that was on the porch had been on the porch and Jesus just asked him a simple question. Wilt thou be made whole? 
That's all he asked him. And you know what he said? Well, Lord, I don't have nobody to help me when the waters are troubled. About the time I get ready to get down and start my way there, somebody else jumps in and gets healed. Jesus didn't ask him that. Jesus didn't want to know his story. I'm going to help some of us. Some of us say, well, Lord, you know, I just, I, I, I can't overcome this. I can't do this. I, he don't want to know your story. Look at somebody and say, Jesus don't want to know your story. <laughs> All Jesus asked him was, wilt thou be made whole? Simple. All he had to do was answer, yes. But he went off in some adventure of a story of how that he was in that way for a long time and every time he got ready to go out he didn't have nobody nobody cares about me nobody cares about my situation nobody loves me I go to that church they don't even know I exist I go and sit on a pew they don't even know if I'm there they don't even know if I attend one service and miss service or ten service or if I'm gone for a week they don't care that's our stories when we just be should be looking and saying, Jesus, ask us a simple question. Do we want to be made whole? Do we want our situation to change? Do we want revival? Do we want to see people added to the church? Do we want to see people baptized in his name? Do we want to see our children saved? Do we want to see our loved ones brought in? That's the simple question. Well, Prayer meets the needs of the spiritual man. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. He made man different from every other living creature. He put his own breath in man. He didn't breathe into the lion's nostrils. He didn't breathe into the elephant's nostrils trunk but he did breathe into the nostrils of man that's why we're special look at somebody and say I'm special he breathed in me the breath of life that's why when you get the Holy Ghost the Spirit of God is the breath of God that's what that word spirit means it is the breath of God that's why when you get the Holy Ghost you get the breath of God in you Breath of life came from God and ever since then we've had a longing for communion with God. That is why Christ Jesus was in human nature and prayed not because he needed forgiveness of sins, he didn't sin. Why did Jesus pray? Because he was trying to show us how important prayer is. It will get us in communion with the presence of the Lord. It will get us into a place where we will get our answers. You see, human nature desires, and, and our, I guess we could just say human nature was strapped with required communion with God. Much of the discontentedness among Christians is a result of Prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. 
That's the reason a lot of people's discontent. Spirit of man longs for communion with the Spirit of God. Something in us keeps pulling at us. You got a longing? You'll never find a long, you know, if, if whiskey could fill a longing, the bars would be churches. If drugs could fill the longing, then the drug dealer would be the preacher. But you know what? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only the Spirit of the Lord can take us and that longing we have, that emptiness we have, that need that we have. Jesus set an example for us. Before battling Satan and before attempting to minister, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted of the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Notice the results of 40 days of fasting. Jesus was hungry. But you know what happens, the results of 40 days of fasting? Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He went in hungry. He came out with power. You may have come tonight through those doors and you're hungry. You may need some things, but you're going to leave this building tonight. Power. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to leave in power. I may have come in weakness. I'm going to leave in power. I may have come down, but I'm going to leave in power. I may have come in a situation that has overwhelmed me, but I will leave in power. Somebody shout, I'm going to leave in power. I'm going to leave in power. So with that said, also... Spiritual guidance and direction is what we pray for. Why do we pray? Well, there's a lot of reasons. We get uh, spiritual guidance and direction. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said unto them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Fasting and prayer will get you direction from God. What do I need to do, Lord? I don't know which way to turn. I don't know how to deal with this problem. I don't know how to answer this person. I don't know what to do. How can can I find the answer? Through prayer. Through prayer and fasting. You see, spiritual victory happens in prayer. Spiritual victory happens for ourselves. The Lord describes the victories and the blessings as a result of fasting. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. He will be like a well-watered garden. Like a spring whose waters never fail. Aren't you glad you know Jesus? If you look in Isaiah 58, verse 11 and 12, I want to read the King James literal uh, interpretation to you because I believe that as we begin to see this, it's important that we not get sidetracked and say, well, I'm just not sure if I can have victory. 
And how many knows that uh, victory is more than just singing about it? Victory is more than just saying, I've got victory. Victory is when we let go of the thing and put it in the hands of God. Victory is when we say enough is enough and I've had enough and I'm going to walk out of this valley, lift my hands and praise the Lord. Ain't going to let old Satan get me down. Isaiah 58. I want to read you just a couple of verses here. Isaiah 58, verse number 8 and verse number 9. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Thine health shall spring forth speedily. Notice what it says. Hang on to this. Mark it down. Mark it. Highlight it. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Thou shalt, then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall what? Answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking of vanity. You just got to lay aside some stuff. And you just got to say, Lord, I am ready right now for you to let the light break forth. I want my health to spring forth speedily. I want the righteousness that only you can give to go before me. And the glory of the Lord shall be your re-reward or Rearward. I believe that when we begin to see this, this is something that, that is beyond just saying words. I don't believe Isaiah was just pinning these words to kind of hope that somebody had a little pep rally one day and they'd say, well, you know, the Lord's going to help you and the Lord's going to be your light and the Lord's going to take your health and give it back to you speedily and righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. I don't believe he just said that to have a patty cake with Jesus moment. I believe he really wanted you to understand how good God is that if we can just go to him in prayer and call on his name, if we can just simply say, I believe God's going to do it. I believe God's going to do it. I believe we ought to say that tonight. God's going to do it. He's going to bring revival. He's going to bring healing. He's going to bring deliverance. He's going to bring all these things. I believe God's going to do it. I, I don't believe God brought us to this point just to let us head up somewhere in some ditch or some valley. I think he brought you this far to show that he still has his hand upon you and he's still going to do something mighty that's going to astound your family and your friends and your co-workers. Oh, I feel the Lord. I want to I kind of come to a close with this. Because faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. It don't take a lot. Use what you got. You know what the Bible says? The faith is the size of a grain of mustard seed. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? You can have about 30 mustard seeds, and you still have to look pretty close to see them. Because they're so small. But he said, if you can have faith as that one grain, things, big things can happen. Mountains can be turned into molehills. I believe that when we begin to look at this, the essential part of the life of the early church, they devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship. 
of God's people. We need each other. We need each other in such a way that when somebody faces something and it's down, somebody's going to look at them and say, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Oh, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Oh, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Be all right. That's why when sometimes you come into a Wednesday night service and you feel overwhelmed and you're tired and wore out and exhausted that somebody can walk up to you and just tell you, ain't God good to give us so many blessings? Ain't God been good to us this week? Ain't God been good to us today? We need each other to encourage one another. It's time to reload this powerful word in our lives. Reload. It's time that we take, I guess, fellowship with each other seriously. The Word is something that begins to cause, could we say, I want to I use the word correctly. It impregnates the church. Now that's that the word. The word is what? Seed. And once it is implemented into the church, it starts to birth things. Our faith gets stronger starts to birth things. We, we start talking about revival and then we go from talking about it to experiencing it and then from experiencing it to maintaining it. And next thing you know, every service we come, the presence of the Lord begins to move mightily. People shout again. People worship again. People love the Lord with all their heart and lift up their voice. Why? Because there's something about the presence of the Lord and the word of the Lord that begins to move the church to birth something it's time to birth something you know the the womb as one writer said is fellowship and the word begins to birth things in our fellowship with each other miracles happen when people fellowship miracles they devoted themselves to the apostles doctrine we read the verses to you in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. We find that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Why did fellowship get added in? Very important. Because you can have preaching and doctrine, but if you don't have fellowship, you're missing some of the greatest miracles that's going to happen. Somebody said, well, does a tree make a noise if it falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it? So if somebody in church is having a bad day and getting ready to fall, the fellowship of the saints of God are going to hold that person up. 
Restore that person back and tell them that God's got this and God's going to take care of this. I want to be someone who edifies. You know what edifying means? It means to build up. So we find that they begin to go from house to house, breaking a bread, fellowshipping, praying. Fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Notice they went to church. Church is part of it. You know, the greatest fellowship that we have is in the house of God, but we ought to have fellowship outside the house of God. There ought to be some fellowship. Go out and eat with somebody. Go out and visit somebody, right? I know we're all busy and nobody wants to be bothered. I know that, but that's not fellowship. Fellowship says, hey, I might need encouraged today. You show up on my doorstep and knock, instead of me trying to play the hide and seek. As Brother Jim says, are you a Jehovah Witness? So uh, instead of playing hide and seek, I just... Uh, Say, come on in. Let's, let's talk about how good Jesus is. Amen. And the Bible says that they broke bread from house to house, did eat their meat with, with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Placing the church in the hands of men, is a risky business unless those men follow Jesus. Jesus knew the powers of hell could not stop the advance of his church. The reason for success of the early church was that he promised to be in the midst. The reason for success of churches today is not because we got everything figured out. It's because we're wanting the presence of the Lord to be in the service. The only thing that's going to make your home a success, your marriage a success, your life a success, is the presence of the Lord. So I want to close with this. The reasons for the success of the early church was that he promised, I'll be in the midst. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, he said, I'll be in the midst. I hope that you understand today's lesson. Four-legged stool, there's just so many things that a, you know, a four-legged stool's pretty sturdy, right? I've got a four-legged stool in there. Anybody ever sit on a three-legged stool? If you ain't careful, you'll fall over. And if you try to sit on a two-legged stool, you're definitely going to fall over. But a four-legged stool you can stand on, sit on, stretch out on. So the things that we've studied tonight are things that we can stand on. We can stand on. I want to stand on prayer. I want to stand on faith. I want to be able to say to anyone who's ever faced with anything that it seems too high for you like a mountain, it's just a molehill.
It's just a molehill. My God is bigger. Your God is bigger. We got to remind ourselves sometimes God is bigger. God is greater. I believe that God is able to take care of the biggest situation and turn it into just a little small thing. Come through the desert. It looked like a big thing to the people of God. We ain't got nothing to eat. We ain't got nothing to drink. And he just brought us out here in this desert so we can die. But you know what? God said, no. I'm big enough to sustain you in the desert. I'm big enough to feed you when it seems like you're going to starve to death. I'm big enough to take care of you when everybody looks and says, this ain't going to happen. It's an impossibility. With God, all things are possible. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. We're going to have a baptism.